Jag är psykiatiker. Det har jag varit i 27 år. Jag är alldeles utsliten. Att år efter år lyssna på rader av patienter som inte är nöjda med sin tillvaro. Som vill ha roligt. Som vill att jag ska hjälpa dem med det. Det tar på krafterna ska jag säga. Jag har minst han inte så roligt själv. Människor begär mycket. Det har jag kommit fram till efter alla år. De begär att bli lyckliga samtidigt som de är självupptagna, själviska, ogenerösa. Ja, jag vill vara ärlig. Jag skulle vilja säga elaka, helt enkelt. De flesta. Att lägga ner timme efter timme på samtal för att få en elak människa lycklig. Det är ingen mening med det. Det går inte. Jag har slutat med det. Jag skriver bara ut piller numera. Så starka som möjligt. Så är det med det. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. I'm Bryn. What's going on? I'm Jeremy. (laughs) I always interrupt you when you're doing this part. I like it because it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. People know what it is. (laughs) Um, You're going to hear about some movies. You know who we are. Yeah, it's the movie show. We talk about movies and um, that's it. That's the only one. That's the tweet. (laughs) Send tweet. That's it. Send podcast. <laughs> All right. Print it, publish it, whatever. <laughs> anyway, hello. Thanks for being with us. Uh, today we have a, a fun movie to talk about. Uh, a movie we got a that- Brin ass movie to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like you mean don't like it, but we're going to get there. First we'll get there. of all, uh, we should uh, talk about what we watched this week. Um, yeah. Who wants to go first? Why don't you go first this time? I feel like I, I go usually first go time? first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this week I watched uh, the new soon-to-be hit show on HBO, Lovecraft Country. Oh. Um, I've been hearing a lot about this. I know nothing. Okay. Um, so Lovecraft Country is a ostensibly a horror show based on a horror book. Lovecraft being a reference to, you know, the famous horror author. Right. H.P. Lovecraft. Um, H.P. I don't know why I was, I, I was about to, literally I was about to just humiliate myself and be like, yeah, Julius. Julius Rosenberg <laughs> Lovecraft. Julius Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Julius and Ethel Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, they were given the electric chair for trying to open a portal to communist hell. <laughs> That's what the show's about. <laughs> um, so the show is written, or the book was written by a man named like Matt Ruff, who mm-hmm. is a white guy. Um, just, just so you know. Um, okay. But the show is about <laughs> knowing what I know about Lovecraft. This might be important. <laughs> the book is about 
um, black people living under Jim Crow laws in the 50s and sort of running into Lovecraftian horrors and sort of like comparing and contrasting horror, you know, Lovecraftian horror with racism in America, um, okay. which is not a bad idea. Um, I think that, you know, if you're really going to look at racism as this sort of unspeakable, unknowable, untouchable, amorphous, like, entity that, like, oppresses and, you know, kills people, um, that's interesting. Right. So the show, though, <laughs> um, is about a guy who went off to the Korean War. His name is Atticus. And he um, returns from the war and is looking for his dad. His dad wrote him a letter um, saying that he went to Ar Artem um, to to find their, their secret legacy, their secret birthright. Right. Um, and so he goes back to his hometown in Chicago and gets his uncle or something and like his childhood friend to go look for um, his dad. And so that's how the so the first like half of the show, nothing happens. <laughs> right. Like it's like supposed to be setting up these characters, but like the writing is like there's literally like a three minute long music video of just like people dancing. Is it in, fucking? In is the it 50s. the same guy as uh, American Horror Story? Because I feel like that happens in American Horror Story all the time too. Mm. No, but it definitely feels similar. Um, mm -hmm. Did you like that show? Um, no. Um, not really. I I yeah. watched the first two seasons, mm -hmm. and uh, what is that? The uh, the haunted house and mm -hmm. the witch one. No. Oh, I, the coven. I skipped the second one. The second one is the the alien psychiatric ward one. Oh, I I watched that one and I liked little bits of it. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I like little bits of the There's like the circus the one ideas. I like little bits of. Mm -hmm. I, I I thought some of the coven one was pretty fun. And mm -hmm. interesting. Um, the first one where he's like some sort of like kink gimp ghost or something, I found really dumb. Yeah, there's the newest, like one of the newer ones is like um, uh, the the main kid who, uh, you know, because it's the same people every time. It's the kid, the, okay. the scary kid. Uh, now he's a cult leader oh, and he no. dresses like the Joker. And he like, <laughs> what? he has like a, yeah, he has like a Nazi cult who like, all, like they never really explain i think what their like political ambition is or whatever but he has a <laughs> cult and oh. everybody's in it and like throughout <laughs> the whole series like it's like a middle class like uh you know suburban town and throughout the series just randomly like you know one of the lesbian couple is actually in the cult okay and they're all in the cult is this the one, <laughs> is this the one with the that's like it's just question marks like the, uh maybe like the advertisements for it didn't have a name oh. it was just like question marks yeah that could be the but the, the, it was really stupid and bad and <laughs> didn't make any sense and uh it just one of those like hilariously impotent attempts to be like we're responding to trump with media <laughs> oh right okay because the joker yeah. cult is trump mm -hmm. uh yeah i feel like that show has always had a lot of problems but anyway yeah. this show um it, no problems. I was very, I, 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 I was feeling pretty disappointed halfway through. Mm -hmm. um, about How halfway many episodes th are there? So far, there's only the one. 
It's oh, like okay. an hour long. So I'm. this is my review of the first episode. Someone asked me to talk about it. Um, or a couple of people who are on the Discord asked me to talk about it. So um, uh, well, once it's over, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts again. Um, but this first episode, it has like um, really bad characterization. <laughs> really like info dump scenes where it's just like, your father was mean. He was an alcoholic. He, uh, right. you know, you left to the war to, to get away from him. And then he actually was into horror novels. You know, it's just like... Right telling you everything directly to your face your father was a drinker yeah and exactly. a fiend. <laughs> there's a really weird scene where he like goes to the bar that his dad drank at and then he like finds the um owner who's just like out in the back getting his dick sucked okay. <laughs> and then the guy like who's sucking his dick runs away in fear and then like he's like He's like sorry and he starts walking away but then the guy just like continues the scene <laughs> and he's uh -huh. just like <laughs> and he's just like you looking for your dad <laughs> it's like well <laughs> it's like, well. like still out and everything <laughs> no he's like zipping up while he says that he's like, oh he's like <laughs> I'm just picturing the guy running away, just like, you're looking for your dad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, it's you from before. Because everyone thinks you're he's You're looking like for your dad? I think I know a little bit about where your dad might be. <laughs> <laughs> As he's just running off into the distance. Don't tell anyone I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't tell anybody that I'm gay. My wife doesn't know. <laughs> she thinks I'm shopping for sports supplies for her son. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you yelling it to the whole town? <laughs> I'm yelling it to you. It just happens that I have a 360 sound. <laughs> oh, man. So there's some really silly stuff like that. Um, also, everyone is like, there's multiple people who are like, oh, my gosh, is that Tick? His name is Tick for some reason. Uh-huh. They're like, oh my gosh, is that Tick? He got so hot, and he used to wear be like a little skinny, you know, horror nerd who has big thick glasses. Right. And no one recognizes him except like when the plot wants it to be convenient. He's just like, oh, you're that guy. You're Tick. Are you looking for your dad? <laughs> um, so it's 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 pretty like pretty embarrassing at writing. Um, and then they finally. Oh, it's also like it's not in the book, Lovecraft Country, but his uncle just happens to be the guy writing the um, the Green Book. You know, the like the Negro motorists safe yeah. driving. He's writing that, okay. <laughs> even, even though that was written decades before in New York. Um, so uh, that's weird and shoehorned in. But that's why they're. He's like, oh, I'll take you on a road trip to look for your dad because I'm writing the Green Book. <laughs> This is like really stupid sort of like Black right. Forest Gump shit. Oh, like there's literally a, a scene. This is when I when I was like, oh, this is Forrest Gump for like <laughs> historically important civil rights stuff. Like there's right. a scene where they like are driving and they just pass that famous picture where it's like a white family driving. And it's like the highest standard of living in America. And then there's a bunch of black people and waiting in line for like, you know, unemployment. Right. They pass that. <laughs> Like just like as a as a tableau. Yeah, I'll they walk past like um, uh, Malcolm X, and he's like mm -hmm. just getting out of prison, and he's like, <laughs> "I want to change my last name, but what should I change it to?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. And then somebody's like X, and he's like, 
Malcolm X. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Marty Walks McFly. Walks off whistling or whatever. <laughs> Mayor, I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of dumb stuff like that. Also, mm-hmm. like, everyone talks to each other specifically about racism uh, and right. segregation, like, in a very stilted way of, like, yep, Florida was segregated. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not as, not as that some real permeable like reality that they're all living with and understand like subtextually it's just like right in your face all of the time right it's the so, only topic of it should be like um there should be like the blackdale test where like <laughs> two black people talk about something other than racism <laughs> right exactly like if if it's written by i mean who's writing this show so it's a woman she it's a black woman named um i can't remember her name uh, I looked it up. Misha right Green. Before. Misha Green. Okay. Um, but it's originally written by this guy, Matt Ruff. The the book was, yeah. She Misha Green used to write for um, that show Underground that I didn't watch. Right. Um, and I don't think I know that some one. Some other stuff. But this is also, she's also a staff writer for Heroes and Sons of Anarchy. But it's also produced, oh. executive produced, probably just means they threw money at it. But J.J. Abrams and... Um, Jordan Peele. Yeah, I saw Jordan Peele's in this. So I don't think they really had much to do with it except for mm-hmm. getting it on the air. Yeah, Jordan Peele probably just threw his name behind it to just like give yeah. it some extra weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> it's okay. So pretty, pretty disappointing uh, first half, and then the second half, uh, they finally are out on the road, getting, you know, looking for the guy, and they stop some places. And they uh, experience intense racism all the time. Mm-hmm. They literally get run out of town twice. And the second time the they almost get run out of town is they're in a sundown town. And uh, the cop is like, this is a sundown town. If you don't get out, I'm going to kill you. Uh, just pretty blatantly says, like, oh, right, right, it's my right, duty yeah. to hang you if, you are, uh, <laughs> if, if you're in town in, the, in seven minutes. So they basically are about to get lynched by the cops. Um, when finally 45 minutes into the show um a big monster if you're a lovecraft fan uh they literally say it's the show goth it's a big blob with eyes all over it mm-hmm. nighttime sundown go comes and this big monster comes and eats some of the cops and they run away and um bites one of them and then so they're in this like cabin hiding out with the cops um who were still pointing guns at them and being like, don't trust the black people. And then it's like, oh. Versus actually, the big eye monster. They're yeah. like, yeah, the black people are still the main threat here. Right. And then one of the cops <laughs> turns into one of the big eye monsters because it's zombie rules, I guess, oh, with the show goths. They and, were secretly big eye monsters all along. <laughs> no, he got bitten. <laughs> he got bit by the big eye monster. Mm-hmm. Right, and, of course. Um, and then... uh they find out the, you know, it's basically just an action horror at that point. They find out the rules of the Shogoth are that they bite people and turn them into them and they're afraid of light. So they run to the car, they get the car, they get away. They kill both the policemen and they get away. Okay. Um, and that part of the show is fairly fun. And then they like finally get to the place where they're going and some very rich white guy answers and is like, oh, you finally 
arrived. Welcome home. And right, then they're yeah, like, what yeah. is going on with this mansion? Roll credits. Yeah, and that's the end. So yeah. apparently you there's... You finally arrived. That's a trope that I feel like I could do without in, in horror I know. media. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my big issue with the show, besides you know just having really beat you over the head, set up the show writing, is... Um, so far, it's just like the whole point of Lovecraft is to, you know, have these, this, this reality that is difficult to even understand, like sort of being shoved in your face and like you go crazy because of it. And this, you know, these sort of very difficult to sh even comprehend horrors. But this has literally just been people are racist and also there's monsters. <laughs> Right. Um, which I don't see how that is metaphorical or interesting at all. Well, the the monsters are racism. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they I feel killed like that's the racist. pretty apparent. No, but, they, but, you know, the problem is that because it can bite people and turn them into big eye <laughs> monsters, you know, you could kill, you know, it's like Kamala <laughs> Harris said, you know, there's no vaccine for racism. And, Did she say that? <laughs> yeah, and you may think to yourself, well, I know a vaccine for racism. It's called a bullet. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And uh, what what uh, Lovecraft Country, you know, suggests is that uh, the bullet is, in fact, not a vaccine for racism because racism is communicable, um, you know, Through in an airborne way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> your, your voice... Your voice is in the air, <laughs> and when yes. you say racist stuff, other people hear it, and they're like, this is I'm going to be racist, too. <laughs> this is what Phil Collins was trying to warn us about <laughs> <laughs> with his gated reverb. <laughs> he could feel it. Yeah. Did you see that video of the, the two black teenagers hearing that song for the first time? Yeah. That's a good Fucking one. Fucking rule. That was a great video. I love that type <laughs> that was... of video of people reacting to something for the first time that's like super old that you know really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great. I mean, they have so many followers on YouTube now. Yeah, you remember there was that old um a couple of years ago there were those guys who did the channel like Lost in Vegas or something like that and they were like middle-aged dudes who were listening to metal for the first time oh, and cool. they were like hip-hop producers who were just listening to like Metallica and like Megadeth and stuff and mm -hmm. like and so the whole time it's like, you know, you get that same sort of reaction sort of thing where they're like, oh my God, what? But then also <laughs> as they're learning more about metal, they're like starting to pick up little bits of like the drama and stuff around it. Sure. And so I remember in like the one video where they watch um, or they listen to uh, like Holy Wars for the first time and they're just like, oh man, Metallica fucked up firing Dave Mustaine. And you're like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yes, ev everyone can know. <laughs> It's very obvious. <laughs> he would have destroyed the band if he stayed, but that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I find that I find that particular genre very interesting. That it's never white people discovering rap. Mm -hmm. Or like, well, they did try to do it. There was like some metalheads who did like the opposite version, where they were like you know, we're doing metalheads discover hip hop for the first time. And I watched like one episode and I was like, this sucks dick. I'm not watching this. <laughs> These guys are losers. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, why did you, I guess there's no reason for you to have avoided hip hop. Into yeah. Your that's the thing, right? Is it's like, it's metal is very siloed metal and like punk and stuff like mm -hmm. that are like very like cordoned off to very specific places. Whereas hip hop is so much of the monoculture now that it's like, it feels like there's a reason you've avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
But I mean, I feel like you could still do it with like older R&B or something like Mm -hmm. 90s R&B that was sort of not as popular. But anyway. Or like um, like funk and like old. Oh, totally. Yeah. That shit would rule. Interesting ska and dub. Mm hmm. Lee Scratch Perry and shit. Um, Anyway, this show, uh, I really don't know. I feel like it's uh, the, the previously on was like. There's going to be a secret society and they're like sacrificing people and stuff. So that's sort of up my alley. So I'll probably continue watching it. But uh, yeah, I'll give it a watch. I'll check if, it out. If it's going to stay this poorly written, I'm uh, I might drop out. So we'll see. Yeah. What, what did you watch this week? Um, well, uh, kind of on a similar note, uh, this is going to be maybe a downer of an episode. <laughs> um, I watched, um, Blinded by the Light. Blinded. Oh, is this the, um... The Bruce Springsteen movie. <laughs> the, uh, the... The woman who made, um, Bend It Like Beckham. Right, so he's like an Indian guy who... Is this yeah, the same Pakistani... premise? Oh, the, it's, yeah, so essentially it is, it's literally the same premise as Bend It Like Beckham, but you replace soccer with uh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Wait, um, is it also the same premise as um, yesterday where the Indian guy gets under, he's the only person who remembers the Beatles? No. Okay. Um, I didn't see yesterday, so I, I don't know either. for sure, but no, there's nothing like people remember Bruce Springsteen in this universe. <laughs> they know who he is. Okay. Um, the story of it is essentially that uh, it's a, a Pakistani kid who's in a very like repressed uh, household. He has this sort of like very narrow world where like uh, you know his father has expectations for him and like his his life is going a certain way and he's like I don't know you know what I'm gonna do to like I can't break out of this cycle and whatever and like I'm just gonna be what my dad wants me to be and that's kind of it for me and mm-hmm. he's really depressed and then uh, uh, a Sikh friend at school introduces him to uh, the music of Bruce Springsteen and it speaks to him in a really major way and he's like man this guy hates his town I fucking hate my town too <laughs> like I wish I could just fucking get out of here and yeah. you're you're I'm hearing this all and you're run. like yeah exactly and you but you're hearing this and you're like okay well this all sounds like a pretty good premise for a movie sure. like I feel like this is gonna be pretty good I liked Bend It Like <laughs> Beckham fine you know I feel like this will work out pretty good and um, first of all two hours way too long uh, <laughs> There's you hate I, watching movies. I hate watching hours. movies that are over 90 minutes. Uh but especially <laughs> for this type of movie, you're talking about like, you know, it's supposed to be like a feel good movie about like connecting with music, you know, 2 hours way too long for that. It's not a fucking like it's not a biopic of like an important life or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's not like a lot of detail. What do you, you got to say that's there. taking this long? Exactly. Um and and essentially what ends up happening is it's, it's just about him connecting with Bruce Springsteen and like rebelling against his family. And then it's also, there's a whole thing where he's like a writer and like people are like, he's a genius writer. But then like every time he reads his writing, it's like stupid. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. When they like, they write themselves into a corner where they're like, this guy's gotta be a genius. And then you're like, but I have to write the genius. (laughs) Yeah. Am I saying I'm a genius? (laughs) Right. Exactly. I can write a genius poem. (laughs) That's Um, my favorite when it's usually when it's like not screenwriting it's like prose or a poetry or something right. and then they're like okay here it is <laughs> and it's like dog shit you, dad. absolute dog shit <laughs> you make shit me writing. so mad <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i mean ultimately like what ends up kind of becoming the movie is like there's like way too many scenes where um like the music plays and somebody sings it 
and they sing the whole song. Like there's a whole, they what? literally sing the entirety of Thunder Road in this one oh, scene no. where like he's trying to woo this girl who he has a crush on and uh, he's he's working at like a, like a street, like a flea market type of thing for his friend's dad and his friend's dad is like, you like Bruce Springsteen? That's great. You know, kids these days, they don't understand Bruce, but like <laughs> when I was a kid, he was the shit and whatever. And then he sees the girl and he starts singing Thunder Road to her and then the dad joins in and then everybody what? joins oh. in. But it's not like a musical number because the real song is playing behind them. So like it's just as if it was playing on the radio is and it, they're singing over it together. Is it produced like it's a... a musical like no 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 again like the, there's like no there's like not vo- he's not singing it in the universe like he he like he is but and, <laughs> and he can't sing you know oh. nobody can sing they're all singing it like you know like i would sing a song like <laughs> you know like a private <laughs> thing that you would do on your own <laughs> oh so it's sort of like um in magnolia when they all sing give up and yeah. it's like kind of in their cars Exactly. It's it's like I mean it's supposed to be that they are just regular people connecting with the music and singing it and whatever, which is fine. But you sing the entire song, all of Thunder. I mean, it's, it's like a four or song. five minute song. Yeah. It's not a short song. And <laughs> there's a scene verses. where like um, they sing like uh, they're they're always quoting the lyrics at each other and really like Ugh. like <laughs> like really noticeable ways. Like it's not like. You know, it's not like he'll say like one line, you know, and then the other one like gives him like a knowing look where he's like, I I remember the rest of the song. <laughs> <laughs> they say the other they say line? like four or five lines oh, back and forth no. to each other. Like, sir, there's a scene. So one of the subplots <laughs> is because they have to give him some kind of conflict because otherwise, like the only conflict in the story is like some people don't like Bruce Springsteen <laughs> that much. <laughs> How there's dare no, you like, not like Bruce Springsteen as much as me? There's no, like, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon, like, you know, you're not allowed to dance in this town or whatever. (laughs) There's no law saying you can't listen to Bruce. (laughs) So all he really comes up against is, like, his father is, like, you know, you have to be a lawyer, not a Bruce Uh Springsteen or whatever. (laughs) There's that. And then otherwise, it's, like, his friends being, like, it's the 80s, man. We like new wave now. <laughs> so in order to give him some sort of conflict they're like, okay, so it's it's England in the 80s, there's neo-Nazis around. What? Um so randomly there's neo-Nazis all around like spitting in his face and like spray painting and like uh his his dad's friend like a little Nazi kid like pisses through his mail slot. Like okay. there's a lot of like like really intense depictions of like racism and then it's almost never confronted in any meaningful way. The only the, the only two scenes where he really... So he gets spit on in the beginning, uh-huh. and then he like runs away and cowers to his friend, and his friend comes out and like deals with the Nazi for him. And you're like, okay, so I can see where... like Just from that scene alone, you uh-huh. can guess what the arc of his story with the Nazis is going to be. He's going to be like, hey guys, the boss wouldn't like that. He's gonna he's gonna learn to stand up for himself, right? Sure, he's sure. gonna like he's gonna gain some confidence from listening to Bruce Springsteen, and then in the end, there's gonna be a moment where he like defends himself and like stands up for himself against the Nazi, right? Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is instead the second time that we see the Nazis, they they um they bully him and his Sikh friend into like giving up their table at a diner, and then uh, they're like, we shouldn't fucking take this anymore. 
Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna confront them, and their confrontation is they sing a Bruce Springsteen song at them, <laughs> and then they walk out, and everybody claps. What? <laughs> All these people in the diner are just like, nice. They sing Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and then the final the wow. final one is that his sister is getting married uh-huh. and he's like, All right, I'm gonna go um I'm gonna go pick up these Bruce Springsteen tickets because he's coming to our town. Uh I'm gonna pick up Bruce Springsteen tickets, I'm gonna meet you guys at the venue, and that'll be that. And then it turns out that there's like a big, um, it's not UKIP, but whatever it would have been at the time. The right wing uh, people. The, the right wing people are doing like a big march on the mosque. And um, uh, his family can't get to the venue. And then his dad gets punched in the face by one of the Nazis. And then he shows up and everybody's just like, you went to go buy Bruce Springsteen tickets instead of standing <laughs> up for your dad. Oh, and no. And you're like, but he wouldn't have stood up for him because he's a bitch, and we know that from the rest of the movie. So, <laughs> he like, never has stand up for He's anybody. never stood up for himself. All he did was sing Bruce Springsteen and some people. Like, that's all okay. he did. Um, so, a weird movie. And then at the end, they're just like, oh, by the way, this has been based on a true story the whole time. The true story, the story of <laughs> some Pakistani kid who really likes Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Does and they he... like show you pictures of him, and he's just like, "Yep." And I grew old, and I still love Bruce Springsteen. What does he do? Anything <laughs> special? I don't think so. <laughs> he just maybe wrote a book about it. What the fuck? <laughs> a guy <laughs> who likes Bruce Springsteen is not a no. It's not, it's not a movie. It's not interesting. And there's like a part where he's like, when he's first learning that he wants to be a writer, and he goes to the school paper, and he's like, "I want to write you guys a review of a Bruce Springsteen album." And they're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and we he's like, already right, have fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this album is like ten years old at this point. You don't write an, a review of a ten-year-old album. Yeah. And he's like, all right, fine. See you later. And he's like, but a th- like a like a puff piece about a Pakistani kid who likes Bruce Springsteen. Now that is interesting. You're like, no, it's not. Uh, that's, that's just worse. <laughs> Why is that interesting? <laughs> Why is that inherently more interesting than anybody else liking Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Wow, that's terrible. But yeah, it's really even, bad. Movie. So wait, wait, there's no arc at all. Like, what happens? He um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he like wins a writing contest. Oh no! <laughs> and they're like, okay, you get to go to an American college for a conference, and guess what? It's in Asbury Park, and you can oh go see God. the shitty town that Bruce Springsteen constantly <laughs> sings about hating. <laughs> And so there's a whole montage where him and his Sikh friend, who just goes for some reason, oh, sure. uh, the two of them are just like tooling around Asbury Park, taking pictures in front of stuff. Like, he hey, like, breaks up with his girlfriend because she's mean to him about his dad getting punched in the face. <laughs> um, and he, she's like, you should have been there to defend your dad. And he's like, fuck you. I was getting Bruce tickets. <laughs> like, what was I supposed to do? And so then he goes on the trip and he comes home. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> like his dad's like disowned him and, the and he's movie like is still happening for some it's reason still happening still going <laughs> seems like that could have been like a you know a logical end to the story sure. is he just went to america and never came back or something you know he comes back um okay. and then is he uh reads an essay at the contest thing about how much he loves bruce and then he's like but actually 
I've found that I've neglected my personal responsibilities for Bruce. And so uh, actually maybe Bruce isn't all there is. And then his dad is there and he's like, actually, son, I want you to go to college to be a writer. There's no like, there's no thing that happens really that like makes anything change. It's just that at some point he, you know, he goes to America and his dad disowns him. And then uh, his mom is like, you have to make up with him. This is bullshit what you're doing. Uh And he's like, all right, fine. I will. (laughs) And then he's going to college and his dad's like, you know what? You drive. And he turns off the Pakistani music to put on Bruce Springsteen and they drive off. And that's the end. (laughs) It's just like unbelievable how whack this movie was. And it's got like 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, it did well. That's so crazy. I I was Um, thinking about watching that movie on a plane once because I, I don't know why. I was like, okay, why is... What does Bruce Springsteen have to do with anything? And yeah. apparently, nothing is the answer. Nothing at all. It could have been literally anybody. Um, I mean, I guess he like writes about you know hating your town, so he's like, okay. But that's I hate not my even like what he's about. Like Bruce Springsteen isn't about hating blue collar towns. He's about like he's about hating his town in particular. Yeah, but also like there for reasons. Like he yeah, wants, he wants to get out. He's got he's got bigger ambitions than than Asbury Park can contain. Yeah, I guess. Know? And 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 um yeah, I mean it it, it sucks. It's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I really was expecting to at least come out of it being like I'm going to like flip on some Bruce after this. It'll be fun. <laughs> Uh, and I, honest to God, I feel like that. Like I feel like I got caught listening to Bruce Springsteen, and they made me smoke the whole pack. Oh. Like I am like so <laughs> sick of Bruce Springsteen now. I every, every time they like put on the Pakistani music that he's supposed to be like, ugh, my dad's yeah. traditional music. I was like, this rules. Like I started like snapping my <laughs> finger to it. I was like, this rules. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything else at this. Give point. me more of this. <laughs> <laughs> There's That's a scene so where he's at a, a um, he's at a Pakistani like uh, there's like a daytime club culture I guess because like the girls aren't allowed to go out at night okay. and so uh, they go to these like dance clubs during the day and he takes his sister to one and they're like playing this like really cool like like uh, like dance song that's got like like traditional Pakistani music over it and I was like oh this is pretty pretty gnarly and then he fucking puts on his headphones and he's like no <laughs> and he starts playing Bruce and you're like god damn it <laughs> damn they did. They did the boss dirty. Yeah, man. Yeah, fucking I like, sucked. I like Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen. I don't ever want to hear him again now. <laughs> it's a shame. I didn't like Bruce Springsteen until like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with him. My dad hated him. Like, yeah, I feel the same way. My mom loved him, but I hated him because of that. Oh, okay. My dad didn't like him, and every time I heard it, it always sounded like real cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um. And like at some point, something clicked in my brain. Well, I was like, my friend showed me the album Nebraska, mm-hmm. which is just like a all acoustic, like dark, sh- sad Southern Gothic shit. Right. Uh, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, and then sort of learning to really like Atlantic City, the that song. I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, everything on um, the. Is it Thunder Road? Is the name of that album? I think. Uh, right. Born, the Born to album. Run. Is it Born to Run? Yeah. That first album is just like cover to cover bangers like everything on it is like pretty is fucking a good fantastic album uh darkness um, on the edge of town is a fantastic album uh yeah 
Yeah, hey, check it. This is a quick plug for Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) If you've never heard Bruce Springsteen, check it out. Yeah, listen to him. Don't watch this movie. It's going to do nothing for you. Yes. Don't watch it. Yeah. I haven't Um, seen it, but I'm not going to it now. Yeah, don't watch it. Nobody watch it. It's not (laughs) worth it at all. (laughs) Not even like any parts of it are worth it. (laughs) Yeah. But speaking of uh, small towns and being mad at them, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this, okay, okay. This movie, uh, we watched this week. We watched Roy Anderson's "You the Living," um, which is a two thousand. Oh, forgot seven. the year. seven. I was going to say that a two thousand seven movie. His fourth feature film set in Sweden. Um, this is, movie is difficult to explain. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I don't know how to really tell it because it doesn't really have a story proper. Let's let's say that to give a quick overview, Roy Anderson really likes pla- like uh, tableaus and um, not moving his camera, and right. this is a series of short vignettes that sort of interconnect sometimes. Yeah, um, of people in Sweden. Um, in Stockholm, it seems like. Yes. Um, generally having, just living their life. Uh, sometimes having heartache, sometimes arguing with their spouses, sometimes just trying to get a haircut. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes having weird dreams that right. you see. Uh, yeah, just like little, they're little snippets of life. Sometimes we revisit characters, sometimes we never see them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's a musical number. Um, but it's all kind of centered around, like, it seems like the cohesive thing here is like, um, kind of just like a color palette, just like a general vibe that it all has. And I guess sometimes the, the little things connect to one another, but most of the time they don't. Right. Uh, to give you an example of some of them, um, you, there's some of the more ones that repeat are a, um, a very annoying woman who's constantly crying and saying that no one understands me and her Nazi boyfriend. Right. <laughs> who are sort of just constantly arguing. Uh, she kind of shows up in a bar that everyone goes to. Um, and yeah, I guess the bar is kind of a, um, like a central pivot point for mm-hmm. it. You generally only see it in like the last five minutes of its closing. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a girl who meets, uh, and a guitarist that she idolizes, um, who's in a band called the Black Devils, and then is sort of like falls in love with him. And even though you never really see him again, and then she has a dream where they get married in one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's um, so cool. That's such a fucking sick scene. So in this, let's just talk about it. In that, yeah. So, scene, so well. So, but before we talk about it, I <laughs> okay, feel like ahead. kind of the way to think about this movie. Like if you're still not really kind of understanding what it is, what you want to think about this is (laughs) as is a series of paintings. Like they're Mm -hmm. all just a series of paintings that you're looking at. Like the story of it exists within the frame and that's it. And, and, and that's just kind of, and this is one of those. And it's a scene where she's having a dream that they get married. We see her initially in that bar and she's she's telling the camera. Yeah. Directly to the camera. I had this dream that we got married uh, it was pretty wild. Here it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. Take it away, boys. And then it's <laughs> the scene is what she's on a bed in the back room, 
He's yeah. sitting at a table in the in the kitchen playing a guitar along to a track that we don't know where it's coming from, but it's just like a piano and a guitar, and he's playing a lead along with it. And it's just this really chill, laid back scene where the two of them are just like she's just listening to him play. He's she, just fucking vibing at the table playing guitar. <laughs> and she he's wearing a tuxedo and she's wearing a wedding dress. Like they yes, just, yes, yes, just yes. got married. Uh-huh. Um and then slowly you sort of realize that out the window, uh, that it's moving. Like yeah. they're, they're like as though they're on a in a car somehow, but it's a it's a window. Yeah. Um like he's in a kitchen, remember? So they, you know, she kisses him. There's a sort of sweet, you know, he's just playing guitar, uh, and that goes on for a while. And then, as you know, as the scene happens, the window starts to become a city, starts to become like a train station. And you start seeing people, and everyone notices this their house show up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, remember, the camera's not moving, and so all of these people are just like outside, and they like knock on their window. And he, Mickey stands up, the guitarist stands up, opens the door, and they're like, hi! Yeah, <laughs> they're like, like hey, congratulations, crowd. dudes. Like, <laughs> we're so stoked for you. <laughs> and they yeah. start, like, chanting, like, uh, best wishes at them, and then he starts playing the guitar along with the chant. Right. And then... And uh, then they drive off. <laughs> and then, the, well, they're, like, on a train that is also a house, and then, the, and then there's a cut, and then it is behind the crowd, and you see the house... And they're just like, we love you, good job, congratulations, all the best wishes. And then their train slash house sort of starts to leave. And then, and then there's a, as there's sort of a crescendo of emotion and song and cheering, it cuts back to her in the bar, yeah. sort of just being like, it was a really nice dream. Everyone was so kind. <laughs> yeah, especially because all the other dreams that you see in this movie are so horrific. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they're just like bombing Stockholm and shit. Like, right. the guy gets like electrocuted for fucking up a magic <laughs> trick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, so one of, the, so I saw this movie, um, I saw this movie when it came out in mm-hmm. 2000. Oh no no I didn't I saw it I saw it in 2011 I saw his okay. first his first so real quick Roy Anderson his first film was in 1975 and then he, and then he made a movie which was a big hit it was called Swedish Love Story and it was a very sort of realistic like sort of like new German cinema very realism uh, story, but it was a little bit surreal because it was about this like group of kids who like ride motorcycles and like it's a love story and they're like right. teenagers. Um, it was a big hit in Sweden um, in the seventies, obviously seventy five, and then he two years later, I think uh, in seventy seven or seventy eight, he uh, released his second film, which was such a huge flop that no one gave him money again. Okay. For, for 25 years, basically, because he didn't make another movie until 2000. And that movie is called Songs from the Second Floor. And I saw it in 2010 and f- completely fell in love with it. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's very, very similar to this one, mm-hmm. except it's a darker. It's um, stranger. <laughs> it's much more like on the like straight political and metaphorical. It's about like... Um, just it's it's much sort of a i would say a tougher watch so if i'm trying to get people to into this guy i usually start with this one which is why i chose this one because it's a this one is his movie it was a huge critical success it was this big return after like 25 years um so this movie is his fourth film um 
that is sort of in the very similar style where it, the camera's locked, everything looks like a painting, nothing really, there's not, barely any camera moves, if at all. Um, people do, speak directly to the camera. Very strange. No one, like, you've really probably never seen a movie that really looks like this. Yeah, um, if you were gonna, like, if I was gonna compare it to movies, I would say, I mean, there's, like, sort of obvious parallels to, like, Wes Anderson with, like, kind of the way that everything is, like, really intentionally yeah. uh, framed in, like, artificial ways that are, like, they're supposed to be depicting real things, but they feel distinctly fake. Mm-hmm. Um and then I would also kind of compare it to like, um, like early Spike, like uh, like do the right thing. Kind of has similar okay. like really stark geometrical sort of shit going on. Oh yeah. And I was thinking about it too because it's like, like one of the things about this movie that I really liked, and I'm not sure if I like this movie um, okay. <laughs> overall, but I the one of the things I really liked about it is kind of something that I like about do the right thing. Something that I like about Clerks, which is that it's kind of really all it is is just like the story of the way that people make up a place. Yeah. You know, totally. like obviously clerks and, and do their thing have much more of a plot to them than this, but at their core, like this is sort of just like a stripped down version of that very same idea of like, these are all just different people who live in this city who meet around the same places who do similar things. They see each other through windows. They pass each other on the street you know, but otherwise, like, they're just living their lives, and it just kind of shows you the different ways that people interact with space, and the different ways that people, like, make space their own, and it, it just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just about community in a way that's yeah. not, like, um, not about, like, cooperation necessarily, because I feel like when, when people try to depict community, they always want to show you, like, look at them band together to get something done, but that's not always what community is. Sometimes community right. is just people coexisting in a mundane way. Right. You know, and kind There's... of what's cool about this is how mundane it is most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has talked about, like, people are like, what do you call your style? And he's like, if I had to name it, I would call it trivialism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, he the his basically idea is, like, talking about, life and politics and existence by sort of giving giving what most people would consider trivial instances of living the care and attention that like a renaissance painter would give like right. the you know the death of christ uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. is like the same attention he's giving to like trying not to get wet at the bus stop right it's like these like old um I mean, like, uh, like Dutch and, and Italian Renaissance paintings of like, like, I, I'm trying to think of, I don't remember the painter now that I'm thinking about it, but there's a, a painting of Venice that's just, mm-hmm. uh, people in a workshop and like, you see like the street in front of this workshop, you see the people are like hammering nails into something or whatever. You see like a woman like breastfeeding her baby and like some mm-hmm. people hanging out some laundry and whatever. And it's like, what would be objectively like the, you know, the ugly people of the city. It's not like. You know, it's not Christ, you know, like, being pulled <laughs> yeah, off yeah. the cross. It's not like the king, you know, it's like these are just some people working, but it's like given that same level of detail. And yeah, I mean, this is really it's a it's a fucking movie about paintings, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of why I say that I'm not sure that I like it because mm-hmm. I'm not really sure that it's a, like that it works as <laughs> a movie as much as like I would really love it as like an art installation. Sure. I feel like it would be really cool to just like be in a space 
with each of these vignettes playing on screens that you can kind of like go up to at your own pace and like watch on a loop, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so you can just kind of like sit and like interact with it and, and see it and then move on from it. Like, I think seeing them in a row, I definitely, I've took several breaks watching it because I was just like, I don't know, like, uh, like I need some time to like digest it or like, I Mm. need to just like, not see the next one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting uh, because I think I, I, I think that it, it, you could almost watch this and sort of be critical of it because it doesn't have enough to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that he's trying to say a lot with a little, um, but it's interesting that your reaction was like, I have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I think he's, the, a lot of the vignettes, and I don't know if we've been clear about this, a lot of the vignettes are almost structured like jokes. Right. Um, and I was actually watching this again, uh, surprised at how funny it was. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really goofy and funny things in this movie. Um, for example, I was talking about the bus stop, one of the only shots they actually shot in, like, outside and not on a set. Um was is one where it's just like a bus stop completely packed with people and it's pouring Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then a guy like runs from off screen and tries to like fit himself in and then like says fuck it and runs away and like that's the whole thing that's Um, like um (laughs) there was i wanted to make like a a short film once i never ended up doing this but it was going to be like from the perspective of a cyclist in in the city where it would be just like um i would just strap a gopro to myself and like right up to um like a red light and then a cyclist would like come around my side and get in front of me Mm -hmm. because you ever do this where you're like sitting in the bike lane waiting for the light and then the people who come up behind you will just kind of like try to get in front of you so that they can get off faster than you no i do that though (laughs) i mean i do it too everybody does it (laughs) but like but the idea was that it was going to be like i slowly come up to the red light and then just like one person comes and then another person comes and then it was going to be like an absurd number of people just keep coming and trying to cram <laughs> into the same little bit of bike yeah. lane. <laughs> and it kind of reminds me a lot of that idea. <laughs> right. They're like almost visual puns in some cases. Not mm-hmm. all of them, obviously, but like definitely some of them are are structured. Like, for example, uh, one of the sort of connected ones is um, a guy is being kind of racist to a Middle Eastern barber. Right. Uh, and the barber in retaliation uh, carves like a reverse mohawk down his head. Like yeah. it's just a straight line. And then he calls the cops <laughs> and yeah. tries to get him in trouble. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm sorry, man. I, I had a bad day. You know, I'll fix it for free. And he's like, no, I'm going to sue you for a million dollars. And they get an argument. And then it cuts to, he's like, you ruined a big meeting for me. I have to go to a meeting and now look my hair. So he shows up to the meeting with a shaved head and everything is fine. And one of yeah. the, the joke is sort the of meeting like, like goes well, people are just kind of like, they're cracking jokes, but it's fine. Like, they're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Had more hair then. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then, like, it never really comes up besides that. And right. then they go through the meeting. And then the guy who's, re- like, the big boss who's, like, leading the meeting, like, is like, I can't lift my arm. And then falls over. <laughs> and <Right>. is, like, <laughs> dying. And they're like, oh, no. I guess we should call somebody. And <laughs> And he's, like, so concerned with what was happening to him that he, like, doesn't know what to do. And then... And then I guess they call somebody, but that's sort of the end of it. And uh, 
it's it's very darkly humorous in that mm. sense like it, it's it's kind of a joke but it's also sort of just like it's like writing wise it's hyper realist but like everything else is insane looking <laughs> like right. life doesn't look like this um yeah there's like the color palette is like i was saying earlier kind of one of the things that like binds the whole piece together is mm-hmm. is like the color and like the way things look and it's interesting because i feel like it's such an optimistic movie mm-hmm. for being so dreary like everything Super is like dour. really <laughs> really gray and green and like the um like the the contrast is turned way down mm-hmm. like everything is so washed out and just like miserable looking and you're <laughs> like this guy i cannot believe how much he loves stockholm for how much he seemingly hates stockholm it's like it's the least romantic look at a city i think i've ever seen on film and mm-hmm. at the same time like you leave it being like man what like a like what a cute place, you know, that these people <laughs> yeah. all live, you know. What a vibrant and and you know, full of character. Like it's like Yeah. It, and I think so I think one thing that he's really trying to get at is like I think he wants to say something and I think what's hard about sorry, what's hard about talking about Roy Anderson is what he's trying to get at is so simple mm-hmm. of that like what is important and beautiful about life in general. Um, and and he's doing it, I think, very successfully. Um, but because it's so like particular and he's he's doing it so visually, it's sort of you sound like a a bit of a a snob or, or like a bit pretentious trying to talk about it. Right. Um, which which is I always have trouble explaining what I like about his stuff, but I think one thing he's really trying to get at is like a city that's haunted by evil. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this because there is this like weird feeling throughout the movie where like everything is like really nice and optimistic and sweet and quirky and stuff, but it always feels like you could just like scratch it with your thumb and there's like something else under there and you get little glimpses of it in the fact that like, you know the the miserable woman her her boyfriend has like ss tattoos mm-hmm. like in the guy's dream about fucking up the the magic trick he pulls the tablecloth off the table and there's swastikas on the table there, there's just like these weird little hints at it where you're like what like i feel like maybe i don't know enough <laughs> about sweden to right. really understand what you're getting at <laughs> yeah and so one of the things that um roy anderson is talking you really do have to read his interviews for this because uh he's um he's a really interesting guy and uh i i feel like this is definitely a big part of like the identity of sweden in that sweden was you know siding with the nazis and invaded uh the soviet union um in world war ii um right and so i mean i knew they, they were sort of um, i knew on, they let on the, the bad side i knew they let the nazis use their um use their rail lines to invade. I didn't know that Sweden themselves invaded. Well, that's what he said. I mean, I, I, uh-huh. I don't do not like, yeah. <laughs> the listeners so as far don't... as I know, my understanding of it is that the Swedish, like the Swedish government was like, we're neutral on this, this whole Holocaust thing, you know, like we, we don't know <laughs> nothing about that. Uh-huh. You guys, you got to use our rails to get from, uh, to get from Norway to Finland. You do what you got to do. My friends like mm-hmm. get, get where you got to go. <laughs> and then as I understand it also though, they let like the Americans use their like, uh, 
they let them use like runways and shit to like take off their military planes and shit. So it's like it's like a real true like chaotic neutral, you know. Right. I think that's the um I think that's the the narrative they'd like you to think. But according to Roy Anderson, uh he was saying that Sweden invaded Russia unprovoked. Mm-hmm. Um and absolutely got their asses handed to them, obviously. Um Right. And so have sort of been living in this weird malaise of like having helped out the Nazis and lots of having reactionary people in their, um, in their country. And he was saying that in the seventies, um, he, there was his mentor, uh, a filmmaker who, whose name I can't actually remember at the moment. And, um, and Bergman, um, were hated each other because, mm-hmm. Bergman, according to Roy Anderson, was a fascist. Um, okay. He was like a pr- super like right wing guy who was very anti communist, and him and his mentor were um, were were pro Soviet leftists. And um, they during the sixties, um, they were making a bunch of films about uh, anti Vietnam War. Right. Um, and Bergman threatened to like basically get all of their funding taken away um, if they continued making quote unquote political films. Um, so during his like exile, right before he made his first film, like Roy Anderson was just being like a political activist right. in Sweden and um, was p- hitting up against walls because people like Bergman who had like a lot of sway in Sweden uh, were being like, you're not allowed to like be a leftist. Damn. Um, so we're an anti Bergman podcast. Now. <laughs> I guess so. I've I was just rereading a bunch of Roy Anderson uh, interviews last night uh, in preparation for this episode, and I was like, "Fuck!" I yeah. had no idea because I well, love. It's gonna a be lot easy of- for me, my friends. <laughs> never seen a Bergman. Never will. <laughs> now you never will. Never will. Wild strawberries more like wild suckberries. <laughs> you suck, dude. <laughs> suck my berries, Bergman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was saying <laughs> he was saying that uh, he never spoke publicly about politics, uh, Bergman, and that mm-hmm. he, he he never made a political film because the interviewer was like, "That's interesting." I thought like Persona has a lot of like pretty anti-fascist identity stuff. He's like, "No, yeah, <laughs> Persona is just entirely sort of this like." philosophical exercise but like he like the only thing he ever did is in shame the movie shame uh he had like a pretty anti-soviet couple of scenes in that so like right. well you can't really like you can't make an apolitical movie like right, it doesn't right. well, exist that was, it was funny like the, the, the very was idea like, of making what? a movie about strawberries or whatever like <laughs> you know is itself political <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is so, it about strawberries? What is it? It's about? not about. It's just about an old man. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's an okay. <laughs> never gonna know now. <laughs> now you're never gonna know. But Roy Anderson is the left leftist Swedish filmmaker who was. He's basically like digging up a bunch of dirt on Bergman and you know talking shit, which I thought was great. Um, I definitely got, especially "Song from the Second Floor" is much more political. It's about mm-hmm. like a sort of like capitalist asshole who burns down his own company for insurance money. Um, and then like basically his life sort of spirals downward, <laughs> uh, after he makes that very, very dumb decision. Um, right. Is it slow like this? Is it like, a it, little... yeah, it's, yeah. it's even less shots. Um, 
Like this shot, I, this this movie is, I think, 50 shots total. Um, uh-huh. And that one is 47. Um, oh, okay. So not... So it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think it's... it's a, I think it, it is politically much more interesting. This movie is, like, so much more hopeful in terms of it's definitely about... It's it's about people living. He he's just like constantly fascinated with the idea of like why aren't people kinder to each other? Like why why do right. we have to like do this thing where like people think that they're alienated from each other? And like uh, he's like, why do we have to have markets? <laughs> the yeah, it's like the very really idea that we're all alienated is itself, you know, a a bonding fact. Like the fact right. that we all experience alienation is itself not alienating you yeah. know like it you know what it reminds me of is tim and eric it's kind <laughs> of like tim and eric where it's kind of this idea of like the the just like nothing's ever going to be more fascinating than just like the mundane and like the real yeah. you know like like seeing people at their their realist which is not like you know you get this idea of like like raw like really means like when people are really emotional and it's it's not like right, the most no. raw humanity is just like like a person just like pat like passionlessly having sex and talking about like how they have to go to work the next day <laughs> like that's raw <laughs> which is a scene in this movie yeah um, <laughs> talking about like how like the how his company is gonna like fuck his pension yeah yeah <laughs> that's a great scene and so i and then so i wanted to mention at the very end of this movie the very last scene is the last like four things is like you're visiting some of the people you've seen and a couple people you haven't basically doing a scene and then looking up uh, and staring at the sky, and then the very last shot is what looks like B two bombers, um, yeah, flying like a a bunch of them, like ten, fifteen of them flying yeah. over Stockholm as as if they're about to drop a bunch of bombs, um, which I think is sort of I think is sort of the final like punchline of the movie where he's I think he's doing it kind of cheekily in the sense that Mm -hmm. he's he's trying to be like all of this beauty and pain and sadness well you know you're all gonna fucking die anyway because people are fucking shitty to each other well it's the (laughs) um it's holy mountain you know yeah yeah it's it's zoom out the camera you know it's it's this is the like it's the the punchline of the um the haircut is that in the end it's like who the fuck cared about your haircut the guy had a heart attack yeah you know like there were much bigger things at play than your stupid haircut mm-hmm. you know and in this it's like all these people are like going through their their miseries and their happiness and all these different things about their lives and 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 thinking that things matter and then in the end it's like but then stockholm gets blown up by two million b2 bombers <laughs> yes yeah. uh, well like fucking like uh new orleans jazz plays yeah uh, uh-huh. <laughs> So uh, that's the sort of kind of movie this is. It's really hard to explain exactly, but I, for one, uh, I'm the one who picked this one, obviously. Uh, I think that it is a very interesting and and not just interesting, but actually really fun and funny and uh, emotional experience. There's a lot of really beautiful scenes. There's a lot of darkly funny scenes. And I I totally think that Jeremy is right, that if you, if you don't have the right framework, this probably would work more as like a series of short films that you could like mm-hmm. turn on and off. Um, and it's funny because in the 25 years between his second movie and Songs from the Second Floor, uh, he ha- he was doing commercials. Yeah, and I saw that. I wanted to look into those. Th- which are very similar to this kind of stuff. And 
definitely his stuff works as like little minute long jokes, you know, right. Of like twists of like, Oh, and then you, that's the product. Um, and people, they, he was very, very successful. And he talks about that as like all of his like leftist friends were saying that he sold out or whatever. And he's like, well, I didn't say we have to have a market. Uh, right. <laughs> he's like, I didn't want to advertise, but this is what I got paid for. Um, so it's, I think that, you're probably right, but personally, I love this movie. I think I like watching it. It's only 90 minutes. Um, it feels pretty long because of... It does how, feel much longer <laughs> than 90 minutes. But it's, it's a, it really isn't that long. Um, but it is 90, yeah. And, and um, I, th- I, 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 think, I, I think it's a joy to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I do think I like it. I think um, it's it's less a movie and more a collection of vibes. I think that <laughs> this um, is a very vibey movie. It's a very vibey movie, and I think part that's part of why I don't think that they should be watched together, mm-hmm. and also part of why I think that like seeing them on a small like TV screen is kind of bullshit too. I kind of think that like part of my idea of putting them in a space as like canvases is so that you can see them in the large format that they kind of deserve. A lot of these scenes mm-hmm. are like really dense with imagery, like the fucking, I mean, Jesus Christ, that opening shot of, um, I mean, maybe it's not the opening shot, but the first time that we see the grumpy woman and her Nazi boyfriend yeah. and there's, she's sitting on like a park bench with like a tree behind her. There's a bit of the city. And then there's this like big bridge cutting through the other side of it. It's just like a gorgeous shot that I would love to just be able to just like stand really close to and just like look at, yeah. you know. And then the fact the way it moves and like after he finally the boyfriend finally leaves and that like weird like spy guy comes out from behind the tree. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like it it feels like you're watching some sort of weird machinery or something. Mm-hmm. I I was watching this movie with my boyfriend and like he also had no idea what he was expect getting into and um uh, his first reaction to like the very first shot you're talking about is like, whoa, what the fuck? Why does this look so crazy? Like, yeah. it was like, this movie looks amazing. So, yeah. I mean, I would say, even if this all sounds incredibly pre- pretentious and, and boring and you don't care about this kind of stuff, at least watch some of his commercials, at least watch some of these scenes just because they look awesome. Yeah, I give it the um, I give it the planet Earth seal of approval that it's probably pretty <laughs> enjoyable just to like, hit it oh, on yeah. mute and just throw some music behind and just get high. Oh, a hundred percent. I have done that <laughs> to his, uh, his, his, the third one in this trilogy. Um, cause that one, I, you just like turn the, the subtitles on, on the, whatever on yeah. a branch yeah, 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 yeah. reflecting on existence. I actually haven't seen the one that came out last year. I don't even know if I realized it until I was like reading his Wikipedia last night for this episode, mm-hmm. but I'm about to go watch that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I love it. I highly recommend it, Jeremy. Yeah, give it a half recommend. Okay. I think watch it in parts. Watch it in chunks, you yeah. know, take it bit by bit. I mean, some of you are going to be on the Discord watching it in full, so, you know, you guys have fun, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that is a totally reasonable take, especially with this one. Like, I, I would disagree with you about songs from the second floor just because it's such a story mm-hmm. but um even though there are like weird vignette parts and dream stuff in it um but i, I think that's a totally valid way to watch this movie of just like you know 15 minute bits um yeah take it would, in chunks yeah it would be good okay so that's you the living thanks so much for listening to this show this has been generation loss i'm bryn you can follow me at 
Kinematography on Twitter. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder on Twitter. Uh, but listen to my other show, BB Blattis. Listen to Jeremy's other show, Generation Loss. Or, oh, excuse me. Falling out super. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was on a train. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it, what, do we have any other plugs? Yeah, speaking of trains, check out my YouTube shit. I make City Skyline stuff. I'm Jeremy Thunder on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash generation loss that's right <laughs> and if you get in behind the paywall you get an extra episode a week where we talk about what the fuck ever and um and, and also you get in the discord mm-hmm. uh where we're now screening the movies on sunday nights we're doing sunday night streams in the discord the night if you're before behind the, the paywall already get in the discord because i know you know not all of you are in there but the night before the episode drops we're doing sunday night screenings of the movies get in there It'll be you fun. Know, you're too late for you, the living, but you're not too late for next week's movie, whichever uh, that is. Jesus Camp. Oh yeah, Jesus Holy Camp shit. with uh, with YouTube superstar K of K and Skittles, the only <laughs> YouTube essayist worth watching, subscribing to. Yeah, yeah. don't listen to anyone else, especially Nobody not else. Our, our friend <laughs> Philosophy <laughs> Two. Especially not our friend Philosophy <laughs> Two. <laughs> Um, yeah so thanks so much for listening uh, and we will see you next time